This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Very, pl- very pleased, of course. Any time you get three points uh, on difficult grounds, you're very happy. We had to dig in, we had to earn it, and I think we did. I think we, uh, we deserved the three points. We have to believe in ourselves, and we do. Uh, the coaches have done an amazing job, players have done a great job. So uh, it's, it's good times, and you've got to enjoy it. And uh, it's a test, of course, uh, going there. As you said, they're the champions by right, because they've been fantastic the last uh, couple of years, and uh, that's a great test for us now. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. A delighted Ole Gunnar Solskjaer speaking after Paul Pogba sent Man United top of the league in midweek. It is Friday evening. Thanks for joining me, Ross. This is On The Ball. How is everybody's lockdown going right now? Rhetorical question. As mass swearing at the radio goes on at the moment. <laughs> let, let me move it along and introduce the guys then. Shall I? Here, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi. Having a good emergency so far. Yeah, Bob's watched a lot of cricket today, so he may hit a six or two later. <laughs> Craig Marias is also here. Hello, Craig. Hello, Ross. How are you doing? I see you're wearing red tonight. Very good. Yeah, ahead of a big weekend. <laughs> and Des Corkill joins us as well. Hello, Des. Hello, team. Been loving Manchester United's championship celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> Do treat us all individually. For, uh, Des, there's Craig. Uh, Bob is Shanks, Yanks and Jörg, in case you can't find Bob Holmes on Twitter. Um, alternatively, tweet at BFM Radio. Also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And our brand new video is out. It is TFIF on video via YouTube. Do check it out. Right, let's go through the midweek matches. Then we heard Ole at the start. Uh, Burnley nil, Man United won. United win to go three points clear at the top of the Premier League. It's a funny, what funny season this one, Bob Holmes. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a United fan, and I'll tell you that never in a million years you say to me twenty what not seventeen eighteen games gone, top of the table, three points clear. It's crazy. No, it is, it is. Uh, but uh, I mean, they've they've played well away from home. I mean, let's uh, let's give credit where it's due. Um, I think they were, they've been a little bit lucky. And I have to mention this today. I've read uh, two different stories about penalties, United getting them. Uh, one is really quite alarming. Mark Clattenburg, who we all know uh, a few years ago was uh, the number one referee. He's come out and said, yes, there was an aura about Manchester United which contributed to them getting penalties, definitely, when Alex Ferguson was there. But since he's left, it's eased massively. Now, number one, he's admitted it. And number two, it's not gone altogether. It's only eased. So there we are. And then we have Marcus Rashford, Marcus School Meals Rashford, admitting that they're getting the penalties now because it was Jose Mourinho that taught them how to do it. Yeah, we, we, we all saw in the Tottenham uh, documentary, right? He said, you all need to get your seeness working. Mm, be more savvy. Yeah. <laughs> be, oh, yeah, that's, that's so, the radio speak. Yeah, but having said that, I think they were, I think they, they were unlucky with uh, Maguire's header. I think, yeah. that, um, I think that should have been allowed. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're going to start disallowing uh, headers like that in the box, then uh, you're not going to get many headers in football, are you? No, no. Uh, Craig, I was re- Peter Crouch tweeted, wow, Maguire's header, if it was uh, disallowed back in the day, I wouldn't have many goals left to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's right. I mean, I just couldn't understand it. It was a fantastic header um, from, from the angle that he, um, that he made contact with the ball. But I mean, I mean, the referee needs to look at this and see, well, he, he's, he's got the run on, on the defender. I think it was, um, was it Bardsley? No, it wasn't Bardsley. Was it Lalton or whoever it was? Or Peters. He, he's got the run on him. So he's already got the advantage when he approaches the ball. And, and, and he's attacked the ball in the air. He's not used uh, the defender as leverage. The defender didn't even jump for it. Didn't even challenge no. it because 
there's no way he's getting it with the run. Um, and, and I was baffled. I mean, I, I watched it again quite a few times. I just couldn't understand it. And, and I think Crouchy's right. Like, if he, uh, I mean, if, the, if this is the rule these days, then uh, you're not going to get um, uh, a lot of headed goals. And, and centre forwards like Crouch uh, would never have any. So, um, no, it, it's baffling because, I mean, it goes back to the rules and, you know, what is the rule? And, and you know, we've seen it on penalties with handballs and this and that. And now it's getting a little bit sillier. I mean, it's getting, uh, we're looking, we're really scrutinising tackles. Um, we're looking at, you know, things like challenging for a header. Um, <laughs> and I just don't understand how this was not uh, picked up by VAR either mm. and looked at. And, um, you know, it, it was just an instant decision by the ref. Yeah. Uh, Des, um, celebrating the title. So, no, listen, I, and why are we scrutinising little challenges like the Harry Maguire brutal, brutish foul that it was? <laughs> why, why, why are we examining them in such intricate detail? VAR. Referees are terrified to make decisions. So uh, anything that could be considered controversial... So non-challenges non are those. given penalties. Uh, fouls are given. That's never going to be overturned by VAR because there is a teeny-weeny bit of contact. It's a great header. Come in far post, risen above his man, got up early. In a million years, up until 2020 or 2018, when this wretched VAR came in, uh, that was never going to be given as a uh, anything other than a goal. Now the referee can err on the side. Oh, if I give the goal, VAR might get me out of jail referees are terrified yeah. of making errors and that's always been my argument against this wretched convoluted dreadful piece of uh, uh, in intrusion into football um ref referees are not in control of the game anymore or not in control of the management of the game anymore and it is i tell you i keep saying it and i will carry on saying it it is an aberration is this stupid var yep couldn't have said it better. Uh, um, Burnley, currently under new ownership. They have been for a month or so, so expect some investment. Uh, Sean Dyche needs some help. That squad looks tired already. Let's move on, talk about Wolves 1, Everton 2. Everton maintaining the challenge for a Champions League spot. Michael Keane popping up with a 77th-minute header. They're a streaky side, the Toffees, Bob Holmes, but uh, they're keeping in there. Yeah, well, they might yet yeah, be celebrating a title uh, victory. Um, they've third done it once third already. <laughs> third, third, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're seriously, they're, they're hanging in there. They're doing well away from home. And I thought it was uh, very revealing what uh, Carlo Ancelotti uh, said when he was asked to explain the away form. And he said straight away, behind closed doors. He really admitted it. It was a major factor. I mean, we've all been seeing it. It's fairly obvious. It's common sense, isn't it? If you haven't got the hostility of a home crowd against you. Um, so, and why are there always more home wins than, than away wins in the history of football, every country in the world? But for a manager to come out so boldly and admit that was it, um, I think said, says a lot about the man. Um, yeah, he's always been a very straightforward, honest guy. Uh, that's why he's liked so, uh, so widely. But um, I think he's being a little bit too self-deprecatory there. Um, his tactics were spot on. He didn't have Calvert-Lewin. Mm. And when you looked at the lineup before, you had to wonder where the goals were going to come from. Richarlison didn't start either. No. Um, but he, he managed to get a couple. Although he was fortunate in the end, apparently, and this goes back to VAR again, uh, Yeri Mina actually handled uh, the ball, didn't he? Handled the ball. Yeah. Uh, it's quite blatant on, um, on some uh, videos that I've seen. And VAR didn't pick it up. So there we go again. What's the point? I mean, that would have been a very easy decision for VAR to make, but they didn't do it. So what can you say? Only echo what uh, Des has been going on about. A yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we, we're only two matches into our review and already VAR. Yeah. It's, it's ugly head. But um, 
uh, Craig, we, we we talk about Wolves and and uh, the Ruben uh, uh, the uh, the striker up front missing. Raul Jimenez. Yeah, Raul Jimenez. Yeah. Did you see a picture of him with a scar on his head and stuff? Or yeah. 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 But I mean... They, they need a replacement, don't they? They need a number nine. Yeah. Um, so what they did is they, they recalled uh, Patrick Catrone from... Uh, he was at Fiorentina. Um, and um, he was a striker that they spent a lot of money on a couple of seasons ago um, and, and never quite cut it in the Premier League. And um, he, he, he went back on, on loan to, to Italy. Um, they brought him back, but he's not the answer to their problems. And um, uh, I, I go back to to Wolves in the summer, and and, and I was really disappointed with with some of the business that they did, because I saw Wolves as a team that was steadily making improvements, um, not not challenging for the Champions League, but they they, they were a European team. You know, they got into Europe, um, they, they were pushing. Um, you know, the the tough teams. They had a good manager, good style of football, quality players that they were bringing to the club. And then suddenly the whole um, uh, the whole plan kind of changed. Then it was okay. We we get rid of uh, some of the older guys and we bring out, bring in the younger boys uh, into the club. So out went you know Doherty went. Um, um, Jota's gone. Jota Jota Jota's young though, um, but uh, I think the money there was just too good. But th- there were a few changes that happened in that squad, and and, and you're like okay. We're, we're going this direction. Um, and I just don't think they've found the right balance. Um, yeah. I think defensively, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're all right. But going forward, they really don't offer much. And, and your, your quality plays in the, in the last third of the field, um, you know, your, your opponents and obviously they're missing Jimenez this season, uh, but you've got Fabio Silva that's coming who They spent about 30, 40 million pounds in anyway. Um, 18-year-old kid. Um, uh, you've got opponents, you've got Neto. Just not doing enough. I mean, they're good, they're talented players. Triori's in and out of the squad, he's been injured quite a bit. Um, but they're, just, they're missing that bit of quality in that final third. And, and you know, I think back to, to the, the last couple of seasons and was Jota that answer? I mean, he had good spells, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't the main man that they turned to. Him and his, more often than not, was. Yeah. Um, but, but they're just not creating enough for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big, big problem. And, and there's a lot of chopping and changing to the lineups. Um, if you look at it, you know, his back line, uh, the midfield, you know, Martinez in and out of the squad, Neves is in and out of the squad. He hasn't settled on his 11. Um, yeah. And we're midway point of the season. Look, there's no danger that they're going to get relegated. But I mean, they, they've definitely dropped a few levels. They've come off the pace tremendously um, from, from the Wolves that we know in the last couple of years. Yeah. Absolutely. Now just one win in nine for Wolves. City are looking ominous. They had a 1-0 win, over, or albeit a bit tired, over Brighton. Uh, they extend their unbeaten run to 14 matches. But I want to talk about Tottenham's match. Due to play Aston Villa, match called off because of COVID-19. Fulham given 48 hours notice, says Corkill. Go along to the Tottenham Stadium and come away with a point. A uh, deserved 1-1 draw. I'm not so sure it was a deserved one-all draw. It was a, it was a gutsy one-all draw. Tottenham missed uh, plenty of chances to actually put this one to bed. They they had that one-nil lead. They didn't quite sit back on it, uh, Jose style, but they they couldn't add that second goal. And then Fulham came on in the last 20 minutes or so and uh, got got the equaliser. So uh, Fulham Fulham played good football. Tottenham, well, everyone's writing Tottenham off, but you look at the league table, they're not too far no. off, off, the, off the, the top. That top six, seven or eight are all really scrapping and they are good enough to begin to put a, a run of form uh, together. The one interesting thing I, I saw from the Tottenham thing was uh, Son Heung-min's been getting such wonderful plaudits, but his, his um, expected goals ratio is so, so far ahead of what it should be. He's bound to come back down on those averages, the averages they they do generally work out. If um, uh, if you score a, a ton of goals that you're not expected to, there will be a lean spell. And if his goals dry up, Tottenham might need to rely on other other ways um, to, to to score goals. But uh, Tottenham are being written off already by many many London fans. It's amazing how many fans turn against their club. Going back to the um, uh, the Everton scenario and Carlo Ancelotti, the number of fans who turn against their club instantaneously. I, I want to point to two people in this particular room. When United lost to Tottenham, the excoriating criticism of Bailly 
and the rest of the United squad was incredible. It was massive. And I just use that as an example because I can in this room. Um, but <laughs> fans turn against their players so, so quickly. And Tottenham yeah. fans uh, immediately turn against Jose Mourinho. There is a criticism that they don't win uh, the games that they ought to. But but the uh, criticism they're getting at the moment is it's out of proportion. But, but Jose, Jose is a, a subject totally on, on his own because I know Tottenham fans who've totally boycotted Tottenham since... Jose Mourinho has come in, which is a bit extreme. But uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, all fans want to do is, is see players fight for the shirt that they wear. And, and when United crumbled six to Spurs at Old Trafford, there wasn't a lot of fighting going on. Um, okay, with that said, um, draws for uh, the two North London sides. Arsenal was nil-nil against Crystal Palace in midweek as well. That's your midweek football. We're off for a short break. We will be back previewing Match Week 19. Has come up with uh, something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Craig Marias and Des Corkill here with me to preview Match Week 19. Uh, Leeds United take on Brighton. This is 12th against 17th on Saturday at 11pm. Let's start with Leeds, Bob Holmes. They've suffered back-to-back 3-0 losses now in all competitions. Um, so, Bob Holmes, the current run that Leeds are on, I guess on paper, Brighton's a, a good one coming up. Yes, uh, Brighton do look like whipping boys at the moment, don't they? Uh, can't buy a goal, can't buy a point. Um, and Leeds will be glad of this after uh, their humiliation to uh, Chorley um, last weekend. I think that's partly down to Bielsa not quite taking the FA Cup that seriously. I think this is often the case with uh, foreign managers who don't really have or have not had much affinity with the British football in their past and uh, they tend to regard the FA Cup as uh, similar to their cup tournaments in their own country, which is not very high. Of course, it's a different uh, kettle of fish here. Um, and uh, I think he paid the price there a little bit, a bit of complacency. And uh, I, I think he welcomed the chance to bounce back against a team that is actually playing well, but just not having the luck, not having the the ability to score goals. Uh, if they could, they'd be halfway up the league. Yeah. Uh, everybody is singing the praises of Graham Potter, but they, I fear that they might just go down because when you see Fulham playing as well as they are and also picking up points, albeit mostly draws, there's going to be one hell of a scrap down there um, for safety. And at the moment, I wouldn't put a lot of money on Brighton surviving. Mm. So anyway, Leeds, um, I think they'll, they'll um, won't uh, be too worried about losing uh, to uh, Chorley because they've had a yo-yo season. It's quite normal for them to get a hammering one week and then and dish then out, out a hammering, hammering of their own <laughs> the next. So I think they'll brush it off. And uh, that's probably the best policy. But it's difficult to see how uh, Brighton can, um, can get anything from, from this game. Yeah, um, Craig, Bob highlighted it, the lack of goals for Brighton, but they're winless in nine Premier League matches. When do you reckon Brighton directors start looking at the Graham Potter project and go, do you know what, maybe it's time? Yeah, it's a tough one because um, I watched them against City uh, a couple of nights ago and they weren't bad. Um, You know, I thought they were lucky not to get something in the end because... um, Obviously, City are going to dominate the ball and possession and, and this, that, the other. Sanchez made a lot of good saves. But, um, it, you know, Brighton had their chances. And, and, and the one thing that I would say is that they, they just don't have a clinical enough striker. Um, they had a lot of injuries going into the game. I think they've got even more now um, heading into this, Bright, uh, into this Leeds game. Um, I read somewhere that they've got nine senior players that, that will be out. <clears throat> so it doesn't help um, Grand Potter... Um, or his side. <clears throat> in terms of the Grand Potter project, um, I looked at it and, 
yes, they've got an identity, they've got a style about them. Um, and I think that was that was what Graham Potter comes. But there, there comes a point where you, you look at the you look at the situation and say, all right, are we in danger of going down? And 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 I think Bob's right. You look at the, the you know Sheffield United. I mean, I, I'd love to see the bounce from Sheffield United after that win against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, and you talk about unlucky teams. I think they've been right up there being unlucky, um, but they just need to score more goals. And and they're slowly, I, I I wouldn't rule them out. But if you look at the, the the bottom three, and and you got Sheffield United there struggling, um, and and it's a bit touch and go with that one. You look at Fulham, and, and you look at them, and you say, well, yeah, they're, they're starting to pick up uh, form. Um, the, you look at their start of the season; it was terrible, but they they managed to get themselves organised, uh, and they're giving you know teams teams a bit of a problem. They're tough to break down, which they weren't um, at the start. So there's something happening there. And you look at teams like Brighton, where it's been three, four, great football, easy on the eye, but not effective enough to, yeah. to get points in the Premier League. Um, and at the end of the day, points is the name of the game. And if he's not getting it, um, I, I do think they, they will look at this because I don't think Brighton can afford to go down in the sense that they've done so well in the last few years to, to maintain. They've, they've got a good overall club plan. Um, um, I think Dean Ashton's there. They, uh, Dan Ashton, sorry. Uh, that they've got him in and, um, you know, they, they've got a vision for the club to, to move forward. And I don't think relegation is part of that. So, um, yeah, I think if I was Grand Potter, I'd be worried. And and with nine players, nine senior players unavailable yep. against Leeds this, this weekend, you know, it could be a bit of a problem. Yeah, and they include Danny Welbeck, Tarek Lamptey, Adam Lalana. Leeds will be missing uh, Captain Calvin Phillips, uh, suspended after receiving five yellow cards. Uh they, Brighton have played two games more than uh, Fulham. So that is a big worry and it puts a lot of pressure on this one. Leeds Brighton then is Saturday at 11 p.m. Fulham, who we've been talking a lot about, take on Chelsea. It's a West London derby, 18th against 9th, Sunday, 1.30 a.m. Now, Cottages, we have been mentioning, Des Corkill, come into this in good form. Back-to-back draws. Um can they, can they go one better here? Well, they're a completely different team from the team that was there at the start of the season. Scotty Parker has uh, carried on playing football, um, even when they were losing. Uh, Fulham were, were trying to play a progressive, uh, to, to use the, the proper vernacular, uh, way of football, keep it on the ground, make, make, uh, make chances, um, and they're getting their due rewards. That was a really good point, hard-earned point. Uh, against Tottenham um, earlier on in the year, that would have been a three or four nil thumping. Yeah, um, yeah tell you what, they're 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 looking solid. They're looking decent. Uh, you, what's not to like about Fulham? Yeah, yeah, indeed. A uh, funny tweet. I, I, I reading. I got to tell you, uh, because of the midweek match, it was Bus Parker one, Scott Parker one. Yeah. <laughs> Which I uh, actually, there. sorry, Ross. I'm going to touch on it quickly. Like uh, I know, I know, Des, Des spoke about the match, but. Spurs were actually really unlucky, and um, yeah, um, and I think you know Fulham got away with. Uh, Son, with, with if Son had put that chance away, that would have been game yeah. over. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah but they that, hung that in there. Just... They hung in there, Craig, which is they, they did, wouldn't they have did. done earlier in the season. They did, but if Son finishes that chance, which, as you mentioned, you know, nine times out of ten this season, exactly. he, he probably would have, even if it's on his left foot. That comes off the uh, the post, and and they go up literally a couple of minutes later, and they score that goal. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it's one of those, you know. When, um, but yeah, fair play to Fulham for hanging in there. They, they did. They rode their luck, but they, they, they got there. What Craig said in a nutshell: What's wrong with fantasy football this this season? How <laughs> difficult it is to manage its yes. side. Yeah. <laughs> Let's quickly talk about Chelsea here, Bob. Um, they, they've had a week's rest. They okay. They won four nil, uh, albeit against a little team. In they, but they got the big players scoring. So. Big question mark over Frank Lampard in this one. Is he going to start Werner up front in that number nine role? Uh, are things going to go smoothly? Big game, huh? Uh, well, big in terms of, uh, yeah, Chelsea. I mean, playing against a, a rival club, their next-door neighbours uh, in West London. Um, won't want to lose, but of course there are no fans there. Um, so that takes a lot of the sting out of it. Um, he's got He's spoilt for choice, and I think this is... Uh, the problem. I mean, uh, somebody decided, probably Roman Abramovich, to spend this money that they'd uh, kept back from uh, partly their, their ban in the transfer window and partly their own 
decision in the second one. Um, but they uh, suddenly spent over 200 million quid. They also spent some on Avram Grant, Bob. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk of that. Yeah, um, I, I can't understand that. That's a different story. Altogether. <laughs> That's the owner's uh, big mate again, poking his nose in. That's the last thing that Frank Lampard would uh, would want. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't really believe that Frank Lampard wanted all these players, especially when some of them are in the same uh, position uh, as, as where he had decent players. And he's finding it difficult to get the right formula, understandably. At the beginning, we thought it might have even been a good thing because some of them were injured and, you know, it gave him chance to slot guys in and then the others weren't uh, unhappy because they couldn't play anyway. But now they've all sort of been fit and all had a turn and then managed to get injured again. Um, he still hasn't decided on what his best lineup is. Mm. And part of this problem is because several of them can actually play in different positions. I mean, uh, Werner, for example, can play anywhere um, up, up front, which is why he appealed to Liverpool, because they were looking at somebody who could slot in for any of the famous front three that they have if they got injured. Um, and he can do that. Um, but the price that a guy like that, a versatile guy, pays is that the manager isn't quite sure what his best position is. And I think that Frank Lampard has got that problem. Same with Havertz. Yep. Uh, where exactly does he play him? Um, you know, these are the big money buys that cost, what, $120 million between the two of them. So, yeah, he's still finding his way. And I think that unless he, he – I think he'll get a top four. Um, position. But I think it's unlikely that Chelsea, on this form anyway, up to now, will actually win the title. I know three or four weeks ago we were saying they were contenders, but I've changed my tune on that. All right. Fulham 18th against Chelsea 9th. It's a Sunday, 1.30 a.m. kickoff. We're off for a break. Stick with us. Back with more previews right after this. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Wondered if he'd make a difference. So he beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Back with Craig Marias, Des Corkill, and Bob Holmes on the ball every Friday evening with me, Ross. Tweet the guys at BFM Radio or individually on Twitter. Uh, find us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And do check out our YouTube channel, TFIF on video. New video is out and it is cooking is that what they say is that what the kids say cooking i don't know i'll move on uh, leicester city in fourth take on southampton in seventh this is a sunday 4 a.m uh game uh the foxes des corkill can move up to what second in the table because the top two are playing this weekend of course uh if, if all goes well and yeah brendan rogers credit to to what he's doing there at leicester they're still in there wasn't this the 9-0 last year? Uh, <laughs> when Southampton <laughs> South were humiliated. Yeah. It was in the end of Ralph. My word, how a year can change things. How football can, can certainly swings and roundabouts if you just get things right. Leicester, very good. Five defeats is probably three more than they would uh, like at this stage of the season. I think avoiding defeats is very important in the early stage of the season. But they, they're, 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 they're fun to watch. They score two goals a game. Ten victories already. They, they, they like to... Uh, play on the break, but they're good enough to actually take games, two teams. Fascinating match, this one. Uh, Leicester and Southampton, two, two teams who will, I think, be able to... Well, maybe not Southampton because their squad's small, but Leicester definitely will, I think, be able to challenge right to the end of the season into the top four because they have goals. It's not only Vardy. He's important, but they, the goals are chipping in from elsewhere. They have creativity and they, they don't concede stupid goals. They used yeah. to concede a lot of stupid goals, but they've tightened up a little bit uh, at the back as well for me defensively. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're fun to watch. They're nice. They're, they're, they're Leicester. They play the game in the right way. Well, James Madison and James Vardy set out the uh, FA Cup win over Stoke. They should feature in the game. But I was reading, Craig, the Leicester Mercury is saying that Cengiz Under is under consideration. Of course, he's, 
He's a big player. I mean, if you, you play fantasy football or, or um, championship manager, oh, at some point you, you might have probably signed him. But he's come on loan from Roma until the end of the season. He hasn't featured much. Yeah. Um, but when he has, he's been good off the bench. Um, it, you can see he's got something about him. He's talented. Um, but it, it's just a question of where he fits in that system. Um, I, I have no doubts that uh, Leicester have a really good player on their hands. Um, and he, you know, if he can, if he can get himself fit, um, continue making impacts off the bench, you know, he could be a big play for them in the running. Um, yeah, I agree with Des, you know, I don't think it's all about Vardy. I think he's integral to what, to what uh, Leicester do. Um, but there is that worry if he does get that injury and, He's, what, 34, now 35. Mm. He, he's been picking up a lot of niggles this season. You know, he's not always been fit. Um, they just don't have um, a replacement for him. they got Ian Nacho. He's nowhere near the same kind of player that we saw for Man City um, a few years back. They've just got rid of Slimani to, um, to Leon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in that striker department, they're, they're very, very depleted. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do in this transfer window. Um, but one thing that Rogers needs to, to kind of address is that situation just because um, Jamie Vardy's been getting far too many niggles in. And even in game weeks like this, okay, yeah, Leicester have had a bit of a rest. Um, but you look at it, they've got two games in, 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 in this game week. Um, and, and it could be a struggle for, for someone like Vardy to get through. I think he handles himself really well in terms of his age and, and how he's been uh, taking himself off the pitch. Um, but I just think that's an area where um, Leicester really need to strengthen just in the event that uh, Vardy picks up something a little bit more serious. Yeah. Uh, for Southampton, Bob, massive news is that goalkeeper Alex McCarthy is back. He's test tested negative for COVID, so he's back between the sticks, and he's a big reason why Southampton have been playing so well and, and getting the results this season. Yeah, he is. Um, he was under consideration for England uh, a couple of years back. Um, I think he might have played one game, um, but uh, they've, they've got one or two. The likes of uh, Pope and Pickford have probably superseded him in the pecking order. Um, but a, a, a very good, solid keeper. And uh, they, they have a reasonable defence in front of uh, him, don't they, Southampton? I mean, Ralph Hassenhuttle, we Never really heard of him until he until he arrived on the uh, UK shores, but he's done a heck of a good job, and he is being talked about uh, as a possible contender for a for a top job uh, all over Europe. I think if he can build on this, I mean, get Southampton into Europe, that would probably be his passport to a, a more glamorous job, as we don't really uh, regard Southampton as a an absolutely top club, although they have done very well. They're a very well-run club. Uh, Pochettino uh, really took them up a, another level, didn't he, yeah. uh, in his era? Um, but they did come from the third tier, actually, before Pochettino took over, which is what a lot of people forget. Ten years ago, they were in the third tier. Um, so that's the wonderful thing about the, the pyramid. You can do that. And uh, that you wouldn't be able to if they had the Super League and it's, uh, everything's a closed shop. The chances of Southampton being uh, amongst the top flight would, uh, would be nil, I'm afraid. But, um, yeah, very well organised team. Ward Prowse has probably got the headlines this season with his free kicks. Although his record, actually, he hasn't scored that many. This is his best season by far. Mm. With, yeah. with these, you'd expect more. But last season, I think he only scored three or four goals. Yeah. When you can take a free kick almost as well as David Beckham did, you'd think you'd get more goals than that. But he's still an integral part of the, of the team. He takes corners and everything. So, yeah, very well-organized team. Should be a good match. Yep. Another, another player having his best ever season is Harvey Barnes of Leicester City. So, yeah, good match in the making, this one. Fourth versus seventh, Leicester City against Southampton is Sunday at 4 a.m. Sheffield United, bottom of the table, take on Tottenham, who are sixth. This one is Sunday, 10.05. I'm coming to you, Des Corkill. The Blades, the Blades. Um, 
they've been unlucky. I know they're not your cup of tea because they don't entertain per se, but do you reckon a team like that will kick on from that midweek result? You've got me wrong on Sheffield United. I've not said that about Sheffield United. I think they try to play the right way. I also think, and I, I know in the modern way, that it was a nailed-on penalty, uh, the, the winner against Newcastle. But in my book, <laughs> it, it's, it's bounced awkwardly. It's brushed the hand, and, and uh, you go into the rules of even three years ago, and that's, that's not given up a penalty. So maybe... Maybe the luck is just about to change for Sheffield United. Gosh, they needed to, but they don't score enough. Even against uh, Newcastle the, the, other, the other day, they, they weren't exactly pushing it on and they were holding on grimly in the last mm. 10 minutes or so. Aaron Ramsdale, uh, a great picture of him after he made one save from a free kick. He's holding on to the ball and his look of sheer glee yeah. and relief when he makes <laughs> that save. Uh, and you kind of think, oh, please don't let a goal in in that last minute <laughs> corner. Um, so, so they're desperate. They're holding on. I just don't think they score enough goals. Yeah, uh, that, That's a real problem. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, if you don't score goals, it's a problem. Um, no matter how pretty your build-up play might be, um, similar in a in a strange way to Brighton. I like the way Brighton play, but but they don't score enough goals. And I fear if they go a goal down, they lose a game. Yeah, and you do not want to go go to go a goal down against Jose Mourinho Tottenham side away from home, Craig Marias. That would be possibly the worst <laughs> thing that could happen to Sheffield United. But Jose and Spurs will look at this one and go, all right. Over, let, let's get over our midweek draw blip with a resounding win here. Let's get Son and Kane back amongst the goals. Yeah, um, he, he definitely needs to lift the team. You know, I think they would have seen um, the Fulham game, <clears throat> especially in the circumstances. Um, you know, they had everything, you know, everything was pointing towards a Tottenham win. Um, you know, Fulham playing 120 minutes, you know, in the FA Cup, putting a full strength side out for that tie as well. Um, last minute, um, last minute announcement that it's gonna, they're going to be playing uh, Fulham, not Villa, um, and, and things like that. You know, it just pointed towards a, a pretty routine win for, for Spurs and Mourinho. Didn't work out that way. Credit to Scott Parker and Fulham. Um, and now, now, now's the reaction. Now they have to bounce back because that draw would have felt like a defeat for him, um, not only him but Spurs. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because we've seen this over the years. Um, you know. I mean, it was, what, two months ago, three months ago, we we're talking about Spurs as being title contenders. And, and like Des says, you know, then no one's ruled out at this stage. It's so still tight. Are, yeah. Yeah, it's still very tight. But, you know, it, it, it's how you react. And we've seen Spurs over the years fall and crumble. And, and usually it's in this period, at the start, uh, towards the start of the year, your Jan, Feb, um, you know, it's where they kind of like, just kind of drop out of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with a new manager, new mentality, um, if, if that kind of thing continues, because then you'll know, um, you know, it's a player's kind of mindset. Um, it, it's a mentality thing uh, ra rather than coming from the top. Yeah. Uh, but do I expect an upset here? No, I, I just can't see it. I, I think Spurs uh, could possibly run right here. All right. Sheffield United against Tottenham Sunday, 10.05 p.m. kickoff. Off for uh, our final break. Stick with us. Back with a big one of the weekend next. Lovely football. Speed of that passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead. A picture of a goal. And that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us, Craig, Des and Bob here. Taking a look then at Liverpool against Manchester United. Second versus first. It's a Monday, half past midnight kickoff. Um, looking at Liverpool, Bob, they would have been rested. And now, I mean, it's an ideal time for, for Thiago to actually stand up and, and show why he was signed. He's only, I was reading, he's only played, what, uh, an amazing uh, amount of minutes. I, I've lost it now. Yeah, and all the way from home. Not Everything very many. Not very many mm. minutes he has played so far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is the ideal game. He's a big player. This is a big game. Yeah, just a pity there's no crowd, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah, it's an unusual game, this, in that um, Liverpool and Manchester United rarely meet when they're in this uh, position because it's usually one, either one club or the other that's enjoying the dominant era. And you find there's one team that is at the top and the other's on the, you know, on, in fourth or fifth place or something chasing. So to have them uh, dueling like this right at the top is uh, extraordinary. And, um, you know, it adds uh, intrigue to this fixture, which doesn't, very, doesn't need very much normally. But it's absolutely fascinating that they should meet in the FA Cup a week later. They've both got a game in between, but it is like a double header. It feels like that. And whoever loses this game, assuming there is a winner in the first one, it'll make that FA Cup game even more desperate because... They've both got the chance to ruin the other's season. If, if one of them wins both fixtures, then that is really a massive statement. And, you know, it will take some recovering from for the loser, should that happen. I mean, they could end up drawing both of them. But, you know, there is that possibility. And it's a clash between form and class, I think. United are undoubtedly the form team, I mean, they're on a roll. They're having a bit of luck. Deflected goal for the winner, that sort of thing. And Liverpool are stumbling um, uncharacteristically and not being able to beat the likes of Fulham and Newcastle even, uh, West Brom. So, you know, you would say if, you're a, if you follow the form horse, you would say United um, are favourites. But I, I think back a year ago to this fixture just about a year ago at Anfield uh, Liverpool won 2-0 and it was the moment Liverpool fans sensed that they were going to win the title Liverpool absolutely bossed the game it was only 2-0 you remember that it was a uh, Salah got the clincher memorable goal the assist was from the keeper Allison right raced right down the middle, a thrilling sight, put the ball in the back of the net and Anfield exploded. But the golfing class between the two teams that day was absolutely huge. And I don't believe it's, it's closed. Obviously it's closed, but I still think there is actually quite a gap. And I think Liverpool will be motivated to make a statement in this game with Thiago presumably starting. I think they, they uh, will show who is boss. All right, Let, let's get a United perspective now from Craig Marias. Craig, uh, it's the best away record this season. I think they're unbeaten in 14 away from home. I read a stat that since October, Manchester United have amassed 12 more points than Liverpool, which I, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It, it is, it is um, astonishing, you know, when, when you look at it and, you know, you look at Liverpool over the last two to three years. And how good they've been. I mean, they, they've set the standard um, in English football. I mean, you, you can talk about Pep and, and City, but but Liverpool, I feel, have taken it to a new level. Um, Bob Bob talks a lot about form and this, that, the other. There's no such thing for me. I mean, you know, Liverpool will go into this as reigning champions, as favourites, um, and um, and I just, I mean, you say this before every big game, uh, in my opinion. You know, there's no. Uh, there's no form. There's there's nothing like this. You don't consider things like that because the the fixture itself should pump uh, you know, uh, you up. You know, if you're not if you're a player and you know you've been on a wretched run of form and you and you look at there and you say, oh well, we've got yeah. If you're from a Liverpool perspective, we've got Man United next. It's enough. It's enough. I mean, the team talk should be relatively short. It's go out there and, and do the business kind of thing. Um, uh, what Bob did say as well, you know, it, it, I can't remember the last time it's been first and second uh, going, going into this fixture. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how, um, you know, the, the ups and downs that United have been uh, through this season. You know, you talk about, you know, a really bad start to the season, uh, a thrashing in between um, from Spurs um, and, you know, Solskjaer, if you read the press, um, almost losing his job. Um, and the and, and getting eliminated from Europe, you know, didn't look good at him um, at one stage. But 
I mean, I've always said, Ross, and you know this, and Des will know this, you know, it's always been Ole in for me. I trust the process. Um, and I've always believed that he was building something. He's rebuilding the club. Um, so, so for me, I never once did I say Ole out. Um, I think Des, Des might have hinted at that earlier on. Um, but never once was I a fan of that. Um, it was all, always Ole in. Are they title contenders? I don't think so. Okay, and this is the crucial bit. Um, I, I do still think, I think Bob is right. You know, we've had a bit of luck along the way. Um, the last few games when I've watched United, it hasn't been great football. Uh, I think Leeds was the last, uh, I think it was about three three games ago, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, really put in a really good performance. But since then, um, it, it's dipped a little bit. We've had a bit of luck here and there. And um, yeah, uh, it hasn't been as good as I'd like, but... Like I said, you know, there's no form going into this and uh, form book goes out the window, as they say. Um, I- I'm expecting a-, a fantastic match. Two, two, two rivals going head to head. It's fantastic. Will you be happy with a draw, Craig? Uh, well, three points clear. I'll take a draw from second place for sure. For sure. I'll take it. I mean, you know, as long as we don't let Liverpool back into it, um, you know, once we've got a bit of a small lead. Yeah. Des Corkill, Liverpool, Man United at that empty Anfield. That, that's a travesty, really. It is a little bit. I, I, I just need to go back at about 10 to 6 after United beat Burnley. My, my Twitter exploded as the WhatsApp was going ding, 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 ding. United fans, boom, boom, boom. Champions, top of the league, blah, 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 blah. And about 20 minutes later... But let's not forget, it's only halfway through the season. The whole thing is won in January. And there was such an ex- outpouring of, of, look at us, we're top of the league, we're so good, we're fabulous, we're, oh, crap, we're only halfway through the league. And, <laughs> not even, and, not even. <laughs> not, not even, this is the halfway point. <laughs> but it was very, very interesting. The triumphalism that came up uh, when, when United went top, just looked at the expectation and uh, and there's been a lot of talk from the United camp. I haven't, I haven't read anything from the Liverpool camp other than Thiago uh, may well be may well be starting as, as a rare start. Um, for, for me, it, it's a huge game, not only because it's Manchester United, but because it's the start of a run in which Liverpool will have to go to Tottenham. They have to go to West Ham. Yeah. They've got a game against Everton and against Leicester. And I think they, they play every one of the, the top six in the next eight games. So Liverpool, they have that stumble against teams who they would anticipate getting more than two points out of the last nine. Um, and I think for the first time, they are under real pressure. And the, and the, the, uh, the pressure on the back four, on the injuries... And there's still no talk of a, of a signing from Jurgen Klopp, which is based on financial um, elements as much as anything else. Um, uh, so this is a, a, a very important game for Liverpool. Not, a, not to lose, but also not to lose uh, their, their kind of control at the top end of the table. Because Man City are motoring on. United, I think they will have a stumble at some stage, but they're clearly strong. And the players they have, Man United, they are where they should be. With the players that they've got. I've been saying that for a long time. So um, it's important for Liverpool, not just because it's Man United, but because they're under a bit of pressure and need to, to keep in touch at, at, at the top. Can't afford to lose. A win is, is, is probably very, very important. We'll see how Jürgen can uh, motivate the team. Expect hashtag Ole out to trend if Man United inverted commas fans no I, I I'm I'm I'll give him the whole season just on the record I I'm only in I believe great Ma- uh, Pep Guardiola took over with with nothing I'm you know club legend and all that it, it starts somewhere and wow if he gets the title then yeah in forever um, You're talking on... about it already. Talking about it already. <laughs> no, but it is under halfway there. And it's getting it's set up for a massive match. This one, the biggest game of the season so far. Kid you not. Monday, half past 12, Liverpool against Manchester United. Elsewhere, it's Man City against Crystal Palace. Um, quick word about City here. Uh, quietly motoring along. Sergio Aguero has been missing Bob Holmes. But... It's still Phil Foden has stepped up in the last three games. Yes, uh, we expected Phil Foden to uh, step in for uh, David Silva, but not for Kuna Guerrero as well. Um, he's scoring, and uh, I looked up his record. He's 
He's their leading scorer. But, you know, he's only scored four goals in the Premier League in 12 games. Now, we've seen that they played 17 or 18 games. So he's uh, nowhere near a regular starter. And that, I find that surprising. He yeah. is used more in Europe. And he's, he's played in the League Cup. Of course, they've got to the final. So he's played in every, every round of that. But um, he's still relatively underused. He's playing a little bit more now. And Pep has always sung his praises, even when he was not picking him at all. He, he made sure he was building him up. So he's, he's been a real bonus for City in this period when the others aren't scoring. And um, worrying Raheem Sterling's form, a little bit worrying, highlighted by the wildly missed penalty, blazed over the bar. Um, why he took it and not Kevin De Bruyne, I think you have to ask uh, questions about that. Because he's PL managers uh, Sterling, are asking. <laughs> he's, he's only scored, he scored one in four, Sterling, his penalty record. Um, not uh, good by any standards. So, but City, yes, motoring along quietly, as you said, because they're not troubling the scorers very much, are they? Yeah. And, uh, against Crystal Palace, who played, I thought, very well the other night. Um, you know, in an attacking sense. I, I never, I've never seen a Roy Hodgson side play quite such attractive football before. Mm. But it didn't, it didn't do them a lot of good. But um, they won't be pushovers for City, but I fancy City to win. All right. It's a Monday, 3.15 a.m. kickoff. Man City against Crystal Palace. We are just about out of time, so I'm going to say thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much. Thanks to Des Corkill. Look out for VAR spoiling a spectacular weekend. Oh, he's <laughs> raining on, early. He rains on everybody's lockdown, doesn't he? And thanks, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody, and stay safe. Yeah, have a great weekend. Indeed, stay indoors. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.